0: Good morning, Northern Hills Church. Hey, it's great being with you here this morning. My name is Brandon. If I've not met you, I want to meet you at some point. Uh, Glad you're spending your Sunday here with us. And for those of you that are engaging with us online, we want to welcome you as well. We're in our second week of our series titled Real. And we're spending time talking about mission during this series. Uh, The vision and mission that God has uniquely imprinted here at Northern Hills Church. We believe that it's important to spend some time always getting back to the mission that God's called us to. In fact, a lot of churches, I think, right now are getting back to that very thing because God has placed that unique imprint on all of his local churches, right? Um, We're all called to be the capital C church, but there's also sort of a unique calling upon each church. And the reality why churches are revisiting vision and mission is because there's a lot of new people. Popping in in church, praise God. There's a lot of new people that are popping into church for the first time or checking out uh, a church service online for the first time. And so we believe that that's an important thing to spend time over the next four weeks just talking about. We also uh, uh, know that it's important for even people that have called Northern Hills Church their home for a while, because I think they represent really all of us, and all of us are in this place where the world is just changed forever, right? Um, in a lot of ways, in our workplace, uh, in the way we do life, it's, it's, ch- it's changed, Uh, But what we want to emphasize through this mission and vision teaching series is that the mission and vision hasn't And that's the beauty of God. We believe so much in the vision and mission He's uniquely printed imprinted here on Northern Hills and that you know what this is not going to change over time This is going to continue to be the DNA of what we are as a church And we believe so much in the power of this vision and mission and and that it's going to not only transform our lives But really transform hopefully the northern community and and all that God's doing in it. And we've seen that play out many times through the stories that get to get played out here at Northern Hills Church. If you're unfamiliar, our, our vision, uh, our mission as a church is that we want everyone to, that comes here uh, in and through these four walls to encounter the real love of Jesus. We believe upon encountering that real love of Jesus, it's going to move them towards discovering their real purpose. And when you discover your real purpose their real purpose, but when you have those two, the real love of Jesus and real purpose, it, it's a transformative. Formational uh, piece in each of our lives to then become bold agents of real change, um, and so yeah, that's you're gonna hear that vernacular around here a lot. You'll see little things on our website and graphics that sort of capture all of those pieces. But we believe real love plus real purpose equals real change you're gonna uh, see a lot of the encounter <laughs> discover become vernacular around here uh, and so what we wanted to do with the series was just take some time to dive into a little bit more of the reels and and keep this in mind as well because anytime I think anytime we do a vision and mission uh, series it's easy to sort of just come along and say oh yeah this is what the church wants me to get on board with they want me to understand the language behind it what does this mean for my life I know I've been there before at a different vision and mission series and whatnot, but our heart behind this series is to say that being on mission isn't just coming on, on a Sunday morning and being on board with what the church is doing. Or Wow, that's a, that's a catchy tagline. That's a catchy phrase. I want to be part of that. We believe we're on mission, each of us, as devoted followers of Jesus. If you have a relationship with Christ, then you're on mission daily. And so the heart behind the series is to say, well, what does that then mean for my life? What does it mean to encounter the reals? Um, uh, And today we're going to encounter the real love. I have a question for you this morning. We ask questions a lot around here. If I were to ask you, what is the most important thing about you? How would you answer that question? I don't want to flippantly just get on to my next point because sometimes we'll ask questions and then we do that. I wanted you to actually sit in that for a moment. Think about that for a 5-10 second period. What is the most important thing about you? How would you answer that question? Just give you a few minutes to think about that. What What comes to your mind? And what I want to offer this morning is what is not most important about you. I think that's how I want to dig into this question that I'm asking. Maybe just start the process of us and just those screws that are turning in our head. I want to introduce what is not most important about you. And you might disagree with me. Feel free to throw some rotten vegetables, rotten fruit up here, if that's something you disagree with. But here's what I believe is not most important about you. It's not where you are from. That's what sort of came into your mind. It's not your level of education. It's not what others think about you. It's not what family you've come from, or maybe the family you wish you would have come from. It's not what your gifts are or your abilities are. It's not what you've overcome. That's not what's most important about you. It's not what you own or maybe what you don't own. It's not what you've done or what you haven't done. It's not your personality type which all of the Enneagram lovers in the entire world and online, their head just exploded, literally. What, what? It's not your personality type. It's not your looks, it's not your smarts, it's not your friends or your clout. It's not your wins or your losses. That's not what's most important about you. Here it is, I want you to write this down this morning. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And that may make a lot of sense to you. That's maybe where you were already going a little bit was that relationship. Or it may come as a total surprise, a complete surprise to you. Because really when we think about that, that's really a grandiose statement. Some of you might be wanting to throw the vegetables or the fruit, thinking, no, that's not the most important thing. But when you think about that, just pause and think about that carefully, you'll see that nothing, nothing matters more than what you think about God. It truly is the most essential and the most defining thing about you. Many of us are familiar with a very popular theologian and pastor, his name is A.W. Tozer, and in his well-known book, The Knowledge of the Holy, Tozer says it this way, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So why, why would Tozer, why would I, make such a blanket statement about all of us? Because if we're real talk here, the statement, it's all inclusive, It's powerful. It's a comprehensive kind of statement about mankind. Now, I didn't know Tozer, and Tozer didn't know me. He didn't know anything about my story. I don't know some of you, and I don't know anything about your story or about your life. So how do I, how does Tozer know that the most important thing about each one of us is what we think about God? Here's what God says about us in Colossians 1.16. This is where we find a little bit of the cornerstone of that truth this morning. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You catch the dual emphasis in that verse? First, we were made by God. He's the source of origin. He's the source of origin for everything. You did not make yourself. You didn't happen randomly. You're not some just cosmic accident. And so that's, this is what that means for each one of us, is that since God made us, we're very, very important because God chose to make us, not because we're important in of ourselves. God has made us, and so that means we have value. God made us, so that means you're prized. I'm prized. God made you, and so you are something to be captured in the eyes of the Creator as special, unique, and important. You were made by God, but catch the dual emphasis, you were also made for God. You were made by God, and you were made for God. That's the dual emphasis in that scripture. So your central purpose, my central purpose on this planet now and into forever is that we were made for him. And he made us. He didn't, he didn't just pluck us down on a rock and, and say, you know, hope you have a good one. Sayonara. Take care. Deuces, Right? He didn't, he didn't say anything like that. He didn't wave goodbye. The reason he made us was so that we could connect with him in a vital relationship to find out what our purpose is. Again, more purpose next week when Pastor John talks about that. But what's hardwired into each of our DNA is this response mechanism to being created by God and for God. Another easy way to say that, or maybe to think about it, is just this way. Since we were made by God and for God, our hearts constantly search for the God we were made by and for. That's a simple way to think about that. Our souls are hardwired to respond to him. So think of it almost like this tractor beam, this inward tractor beam that's in us that is constantly being driven almost magically towards God. Again, some real talk. Plenty of us fight against that draw, though, don't we? Because we want to be God. And so we naturally just fight against that that need to find the by or for because we want to be God. So we'll attempt to push that idea or that that tractor beam to the side. Push it out of our worldview and try to pretend that maybe he doesn't even exist. But God can't be ignored. God won't be ignored. And so that hard wiring continues in of us. Now, we can ignore him for a period of time, maybe a season of our life, but not ultimately. And eventually, every one of us will acquiesce to that draw, even if it means that we'll think about God, but never is quite admitting that aloud to other people. That tractor beam just pulls us in. It's directly built into our souls. We were designed for it. If you've ever felt that tug in your heart, towards God. God is the one that has placed it there. Acts 17, 25 through 28, says it this way, "...nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything." And he made from every one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of our own poets have said, for we indeed are his offspring. It's a a specific repeat of what I was just saying, (laughs) that we were made by God, we were made for God. Because why? Because God gives everyone life and breath and everything. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out to him, perhaps find him. He's not far from any one of us. Have you ever been in a pitch black room? Pitch black room where you're not really able to find anything. You actually maybe know where some furniture is in that room or you know where some things are strategically located on the carpet in that room. But you ever find yourself knowing that you're trying to get to maybe the door where you know you can hit a light switch or you'll get out of that room and find where the light is, but you're sort of stumbling over yourself, you're trying to fall forward, but you're searching for something that's outside of that room or turning the light on in that room because you know it's bigger, it's brighter, there's something greater and more important. That's that tug. That's that tug that each of us have is living in this world where it can feel like a very dark place, but there's this longing of something greater and bigger. And I love how Acts 17, it doesn't portray God as some sinister being with this twisted sense of humor trying to make us stumble in the night or stumble through life trying to find him. The point is, is that we can all encounter the one true God if we just stop grasping At the dark things, the things that make us stumble, the lesser gods in our world that we're always sort of grasping and trying to to find in this dark place, they can't ultimately satisfy the longing that the one true God has in each of our lives. And the problem, the problem because so much nuance to that kind of thought is sin, right? Sin, our brokenness. Is the thing that that we long to move towards the one true God, but we end up moving towards these other images, these other mental images of the one true God. What's the image that comes in your mind? And I'm not talking about like Jim Caviezel or Morgan Freeman. I'm not talking about the actor that you've maybe formed in your mind that, that represents God. But what is the mental image you have when you think about God? Our mental image portrays what he's like to us. But the problem, I'm going to say it again, is sin. And sin means that many of us move towards our concept or what we have imagined over the years and what God is. Many of us move towards that. And for some of us, what we move towards isn't the one true image. It's actually more of an image that's faulty or it's harmful for our lives. Since the most important thing we think about is what we think about when we think about God, the image needs to be correct. Because if we follow the correct image, that's what's going to help form our identity. That's what's going to help form our security. That's what's going to allow us to feel like we're on mission and have purpose. Again, more next week. It's going to govern our actions and our heart attitude. So the image needs to be correct. But if I were to ask you if you had a sketch pad, and just right now, on that sketch pad, what would you draw a picture? If I was to ask you to draw a picture of God, what would you put on there? What would you put on that sketch pad? Not, not again, the, the physical character, not, not depicting God with skin and limbs and hair. What would you draw if I was to talk about that essence? What picture would you have in mind? Because I believe we all have kinds, different types of viewpoints in here. Why? because we all have different stories. We've all come from different backgrounds, and some of them are, are accurate of the concept of God, and some of them aren't as accurate. What concept of God do you have in the different place that you've come from? Because maybe your mom or dad, they told you what God was like, and some of that was really helpful, and some of that was harmful. Maybe just your religion or the religious sphere that you grew up in was helpful or harmful and framed something for you about God. What about the world you grew up in? That of course would play a great part in shaping your image of God or perhaps a professor in college a teacher in high school or any of those years in school leading up to college right maybe a friend in those years they said hey this is what God is like and that's influenced your thinking over the many years that you've thought about who God is many of us have our life experiences good bad or ugly that have framed how we view God is. Maybe in your mind, God didn't really come through for, for you. Maybe in your mind's eye, God sort of blew it in. He didn't really keep his end of the bargain. And that's disappointed you in such a way that it shaped how you think about him. See, as a pastor, I've come alongside a lot of individuals in my own broken story. Getting to hear broken stories, it's fascinating to, to hear from people that, that were really even had a faith background. I didn't grow up with a faith background. But sometimes engaging with others that had a faith background, and maybe they lost a loved one. And they were so faithful. They knew about what their image of God was. They knew about some correct images of who God was. But because of that loss, that major loss in their family or a close friend, they were praying for healing over and over and over again. And God didn't answer their prayers like they expected. To no avail. Because of disappointment, because of confusion, someone that had an accurate portrayal of God it's now been completely reframed. And it's been a huge part in shaping how they view him moving forward. I think the same can be said of all of us. Something we either heard or we learned or we experienced. It's created an image of what God is like. I want to mention a few this morning. Because I think a few of these will actually really resonate with a good portion of us here. I know many of these resonated with me. These are the ones that come up more often than not. Here's some that may be familiar to us. How about Grandpa God? Grandpa God, right? Now, again, I'm not here to make fun of anyone's concept of God. Uh, I wanted to make that a disclaimer, all right? Let's just frame that on the onset. I'm just calling it. This is how some of us view. But this is sort of the picture of the old man that's sitting upstairs and sort of taking the world in, right? And my goal is just to take some of these masks off of the lesser gods that many of us have. So Grandpa God, he's been around forever. And it's no wonder that he doesn't really get around that well these days. This is this is the guy this is the God that I would say has the white flowing beard. Probably has the voice like Morgan Freeman that we think about, right? He walks around with that twinkle in his eyes and candy to hand out, you know, to his kids in his hands. Most likely since his Grandpa, God, it's Werther's Originals, all right? I'm going to just call, out, call, call that candy out. Love that candy. But he's hard of hearing, so to speak, uh, you know, something uh, really uh, to him. you got to speak it loud. you got to keep that loud racket uh, that down in church, right? But here's, here's the problem, With Grandpa God. Here's why he's a lesser God. He's mostly out of touch with my life. And I don't just mean that Grandpa God's not just texting, all right? I mean that Grandpa God doesn't, he's not relevant because he doesn't know what's going on in my world. He's gentle and kind, but in many ways, Grandpa God is irrelevant. He's out of touch. He's sort of like Santa, but without the presence. You're like, well, what's your purpose then, Grandpa God? You're just sort of checking in, giving me can't every now and again. But that's a God that we've created. Here's another one we've created, a scorekeeper God. Anybody of us uh, resonate with scorekeeper? Here's the rule-making, tally-keeping umpire. And it's all about the do's and the don'ts with this God. So if you go to church, you get one point. Congratulations, all of you get one point. If you're watching online, you get one point. But if you go home, on highway seven and someone cuts you off and you curse at them, you lose one point. If you give them the bird, you lose five points, okay? So that's the scorekeeper God, right? We understand that God. (laughs) Scorekeeper God's always watching over us. He's always evaluating us. He's always judging us, working the numbers. And the problem with this God is that if you don't toe the line, if you don't really stay within his good graces, You're shot. You need to really try hard to earn those points, to stay on God's team. And if you have enough points, if you have enough good deeds at the end, if you can tally and mark that, then guess what? You'll win the prize to the white pearly gates of heaven. Congratulations, right? That's your prize that you win if you have a good score at the end. What about cosmic force God? Many of us have created this God... (laughs) I'll just call it, it's sort of like just a nebulous force, right? It's a nebulous force out there. It's positive. It's got this energy. I would say maybe it even has light, but cosmic force, God doesn't really have a name. Cosmic, this force is abstract, it's distant, it's elusive, and when people have this image of God in mind, I think they'll talk about spirituality, but they won't talk about personality, I think they don't think this God has any kind of personality because the emphasis with this God is simply that there is something out there in the universe greater, bigger, more majestic than what I am. And it feels good. It feels right. It's bright light. It's going to last much longer than I. It's much larger than I. But it's hard to be sure what it is. How about angry God? Angry God that reckless brawler, WWE kind of God that is out to pin us on the mat. Now, angry God loves to push people around. Angry God wants to make them pay, doling out punishment. He wants to crush us under this, like, thunderbolt of destruction when we do, and inevitably we will do, wrong, right? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. That's angry God. And if you're smart... You avoid angry God. You can't go to church and worship angry God. Why would anyone want to be around that week after week? So it's easier to avoid that God because what that God's looking to dish out is something I don't want. Last one I'm going to describe this morning is Siri God. Siri God. We have Siri God too, right? He's sort of like the full time concierge God, right? I'll call it sort of the butler in the sky, the Jeeves God that we have. That's just at our beck and call 24 7. Do you need direction today? Just ask. Do you want to change the weather today? The weather's not quite adding up. Dear God, what do you, yeah, I'll change the weather, right? And this God sends messages, checks our calendars, finds stuff for us, uh, finds funny answers to the crazy questions we have. Just search it up, right? And that sounds harsh, but if we listen, if we listen to the way that some of us talk about God, it's as if He only exists for our to do list. We push the button, and poof, He appears with a smile, right? The problem with this God is that He's never in our life for very long. Because Siri God is all about convenience. Siri God is highly convenient. And we only need him when he's needed. When we don't need him anymore, you just push the button off and get back to him when you need him. Otherwise, God, he's gone. Now, the list of gods, I think, can go on and on. I know I was missing a few that we've grown up and we have the image of. Stained glass God. You have that one He's more of the sort of stoic highbrow he prefers his christians to be buttoned up and proper right how about hipster god hipster god's always a good one he's super relevant he's part barista part bible scholar right you got buddy god he's chill average awesome to hang out with on the weekends me god me god's a good one me god is me <laughs> And I love being God. And I never say that, Brandon. I never say that I am God. Well, we sure live and act like it. I'm in control. I'm self-made. The world revolves around me. And what about buffet God? Yeah, you can tell I like buffet God a little bit, okay? But I love buffet God because when you look at it, it's a smorgasbord of all of the above gods we were talking about. It's just one of those gods that it's like a salad bar. A little of this, a little of that. And this God is a difficult one because it's a God that's never considered fully right or fully wrong. It's a relative thing. You might be God. I might be God. They might be God. (laughs) It's it's all about who might be God and maybe nobody is God. Now granted, my descriptions of what people think about God, those, those are a lot ton in cheek, right? But let's just be honest with one another. Let's just have some honesty here. It's likely that One of these gods is a little bit woven in to all of us. At least one of these is woven in to our history, to our makeup, to who we've created God to be. What do you think about when you think about God? And the encouraging news today, as we seek to encounter real love, is that that God, the one true God, wants us to to know who he is. We don't have to pluck around like a needle in a haystack to find him. It's not trying to uh, find him because he is playing some twisted game. No, he's not doing that because guess why? Eternity is at stake. These aren't eternal games God is willing or looking to play. It's quite the opposite. And you may have never thought about it this way, but write this down. Greater than our need to find God in our lives is God's desire to be found. Greater than our need to find God in our lives is God's desire to be found. And here's what I mean by that. God wants to be found. He wants to be found by us. The one true God wants us to know how much he has loved us how much he does love us how much he's formed us and how uniquely he's created us he, how does he reveal himself he reveals himself through creation <laughs> he reveals himself through the work of the holy spirit in our lives i believe that god reveals himself through other people that are running hard after god he reveals himself through his word God is constantly looking to reveal who he is because the stakes are so high. If we don't know who he truly is, we may, we may take a huge chunk of our lives or maybe the majority of our lives running after a lesser God, running after, chasing after a false image of a lesser God. And that's not what he wants for us our lives. He wants to encounter real love, the real love, not the flawed version. So we're not spending our our life spinning our wheels, running running from him because it's a lesser God, or hiding from him because it's a lesser God, or maybe angry or disappointed in him, feeling rejected by him, maybe ambivalent towards him. Maybe we're worried... (sighs) Maybe living a life where we're worried that we're on the wrong side of the score. That's not what God wants for our life. How do we view it? How do we take in the accurate image of the one true God? How do we encounter real love to know what's right and good? Because we're reminded constantly creation his word the holy spirit other relationship that he wants to be found that he's constantly revealing himself to us in hebrews god weighs in on himself and he begins to define for us an image he wants us to have and he gets very specific and he tells us what he's like here's how he says it hebrews chapter one verses one through three long ago That many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power see the prophets of the Old Testament would speak to the coming Messiah and so when Jesus God's son entered into human history that was power of the promise when he stepped onto planet earth look at at how he's described here he became the radiance of God's glory He was the exact imprint of God's nature. In other words, God in Jesus shows us who God is. In Jesus. By sending Jesus Christ, this walking talking, living, breathing picture of God on earth, in the flesh, the incarnate God, because God wanted us to have this unmistakably clear picture of what he's like. And so he sent Jesus into those pages of human history with this hope, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in what? In the face of Jesus Christ. Those are two powerful truths this morning. This is what we encounter when we encounter the real love of Jesus, is that God has given us the light of the knowledge of his glory, and he's done this. We find this. He wants to be found in the face of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why our mission begins, it ends. <laughs> it's everything encompassing, encountering the real love of Jesus. Because when we do that, that's where purpose, that's where becoming bold agents of real change will be birthed out of. When the scripture in Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact imprint, This isn't talking about—it doesn't mean God being this smiling, five-foot-six, long-haired, dark-haired, beaded uh, uh, Jewish man with with a lamb in his arms, all right? That may be the picture we get when we're thinking skin and and, and flesh, but that's not what that's talking about. It means that if we look at the heart of Christ, if we look at how Christ lived, if we look at what Christ did— What his attitude was, the way he treated people, the way he lived his life, the way he valued the world and the things he valued in it. If we encounter that real love of Jesus, we will have a picture of what God is like. I just want you to write this down, this last thing. In Jesus, God is clearly and emphatically saying, here I am. And here's what I love about that. Here's the good news this morning. The most important thing you think about when you think about God, when we think about the life and the death and the resurrection of this peasant from Nazareth, it teaches us who God is. And it teaches that God is powerful and that He's holy and that he's omnipotent, and he's the ruler of all things, that he had a plan all along for each one of us, that he's loving, and he's saving, and he's good, and he's generous, and compassionate, and so much more. Yet the number one image, the number one image I believe that we all capture when we look to Jesus Christ as the physical image, as the incarnate God, as we get to see this very, very clear picture of God being Father. And I love that. And I get emotional and I love that because I grew up without a dad. I did not have a physical representation of what a father should look like, could look like. And many of you have a story where you either have a broken dad or you don't know your father as well. And I tell you, if I'm telling my story, I know that's helped frame how I've projected on a holy God. But in Jesus, it's not a physical representation of an earthly father. It's a physical representation of a heavenly father, of an Abba father. And that means that Jesus is a perfect father and he's a perfect father for you, and he's a perfect father for me. We don't have to project any more of the lesser gods on such a good, good God that we serve. That's encountering the real love, and if today you've never encountered the real love of Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. Would you just pray silently in your heart as I pray aloud? Just pray this. This makes sense to you this morning, God? Who? God, I've had a lot of lesser gods in my life. I'm asking you. I'm asking you in your power, Lord, to come and save me. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the physical representation of a good, omnipotent, holy loving, caring, protector, God. That's who I dedicate my life to. I am a sinner, I am broken, and I have false idols and false images, and I am saying no more. I choose to follow you, Jesus. I choose to give my life to you and to look at your image as my directive of what God is like. I give my life. And I thank you for forgiving me and giving yours on my behalf. And if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, our heavenly Abba, perfect Father, will do what he's promised to do and come in and transform you. I want you to celebrate that with someone you came with. I want you to tell somebody you came with online if you did that. I want you to reach out to us. We'd love to get a Bible in your hands. We want to get a Bible in your hands today as you continue your journey. For the rest of us, would you just pray with me as we close this morning, God? God, for the rest of us here, I think it's sort of like, well, what's next? I, th- I believe in the power of what your word says, I believe in the power of who Jesus is in my life. But God, I don't know what that means for me this next week. And God, I feel just through the power of your spirit that what you're impressing is for each of us just to let go. Maybe this week is about each of us just letting go, God. Help me to let go of any false images of any lesser gods I've had. Help me to search your word Search creation. Search the people around me that are chasing after you. And by the power of your spirit living in me, help me grasp the true image of the most high, most true God. I want to encounter that real love. And part of encountering that is going to have to be letting go of the past or my perceptions or my false images. So God, I pray for each one of us. I pray for myself. Give us courage to do that this week as we look to encounter the real love and to become ambassadors of that real love. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in your fantastic, precious name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.